Well, here we go. You asked for it. You got it. The exciting conclusion of the Biddy Warm miniseries that has everyone on the edge of their seats. And those butts in those seats are puckered up like a toddler's mouth with a Sour Patch Kid. <laughs> Bidding Wars 2023, part three. Let's do this. What is up, my how to buy a homies? David Sedoni here, your first time buyer champion, and this is part three of our series. Now, usually part three, I'm going to recap parts one and two, but no time today. You know how to go back and listen to them on your podcast. So let's finish this. All right, part three is going to start with our next tip, loan tricks. Now, the reason that the loan tricks are so crucially important is that 20% of all contracts don't close. And of those 20% that don't close, 80% of them don't close because of issues with the buyer's loan. So what you do and what you can do with the loan and the loan presentation with your offer can make a huge difference and get you to the top of the pile. Now, there's one trick you can use if you get into a really intense battle, and it's one that you have to fully understand with discussions with your unicorn team, both your realtor and your lender, before you ever go out and look at one house. And yeah, gang, hate to say it, but as we're moving forward now, you probably should be expecting a battle here in 2023 because say it with me, low inventory. So one of the really tricky, tricky hacks you can do is waiving your appraisal. Don't freak out. I'm just giving this to you as an option. Here's the way it works. Any home that needs a loan is going to get an appraisal. What it does is it puts a fair market value on the home based on the recent sales. And they bring in a neutral third party to evaluate the home. And they're doing this for the lender. Yeah, this is not for you to figure out how much the home is worth. This is for the lender. And it's after you've already put in a price. You see, the lender's the one on the hook here. They've got the loan for three, four, five, six hundred thousand dollars $600,000. They need to understand exactly how much that home is really worth the day that you get the keys. Now, do you think that they're doing that because they love you out of the goodness of their heart? They want to protect you? No, it's because if you happen to get squashed by your couch on moving day and you die 24 hours after you just got the keys to your home and now the bank technically owns the home, they want to make sure that they didn't overpay Yes, it's an incredibly morbid thought and it kind of sucks. But here's the what we're going to do. We're going to turn this around. We're going to use their callousness to make sure that they don't get stuck with an overpriced loan for a house. We're going to use their horrible corporate greed for your own protection. The good thing about an appraisal is you cannot overpay in a bidding war if you keep the protection of your appraisal. The appraisal will protect you. And if it comes in low, that's something you can either walk away from the deal or you can use as a bargaining and negotiating chip later on. Now, when you're presenting the offer, you can also use it as a bargaining chip with the seller to make your offer look more attractive by actually waiving it. This gets pretty complicated, so make sure you understand the whole thing and make sure I understand that you have the cash to be able to do this. So Let's say a home's listed at 400000 You can offer 425000 on that home because you've done your research and you think that's about where it's going to go. 
And if you do that with the appraisal contingency intact, in other words, you leave it as is, that's fine. If it comes in low, renegotiation or you walk out of the deal. But what if the home is right next door to your sister and you'll do absolutely anything to get it? Okay, now let's say that you're trying to buy that home and you want to buy it no matter what. And you're going to put $80,000 down, 20% on this $425,000 offer. I know it's a little more than that. Don't mess with my math. Well, what you can do then is you can reduce your down payment. Instead of putting 20% down, you can put 10% down. Now you have an extra $40,000 to play with. So you and your sister can have twinsy homes with a connecting gate in the backyard. You can hang out with each other. Well, now you can change your offer. You can offer $450,000 and waive the appraisal. If you've got some extra cash or if you can create some extra cash, this is a tool that you can use to get your offer accepted. Now, technically, you might quote unquote overpay, but you have to believe where the market's going. So what you're doing is you're expecting that the other offers won't likely do that. They like your sister, but not as much as you do. So what you're telling the seller is, I'm going to take the home for 450 and if it appraises at 425 and I'm only able to get a loan for $425,000, I'm going to go ahead and pay you extra. I'm going to pay you $25,000 cash on top of the loan and honor my $450,000 purchase price so that me and my sis can live our fantasy lives next door to each other forever. Now, look, I understand this crazy scenario is with the sister, but there are some people out there that are going to bid up pretty high to where they think the home will be appraised. And then it's a little bit of a gamble, but they can offer to waive it and make their offer super strong compared to everyone else. Now, they have to make sure they've got enough cash and hope that the gamble works. But what if you only have an extra $10,000 cash, not $40,000 extra like the psycho sisters want to live next door? Well, this is where you can implore not a complete appraisal waiver, but something a little bit different. It's called the appraisal gap coverage clause. All right, so let's do this with the same home, doing an appraisal gap. No freaky sisters this time. Okay, the home's listed at 400, and that other home, that 425 comp, it's a very good comparable property. Now, this is most likely exactly the price that the appraiser is going to use to put a value on this new home. The appraisers aren't looking to do anything crazy. They're just trying to figure out exactly what a home sells for. And if there's another one down the street, they're going to assume this one should be selling for just about the same price. So if you think that the home is going to appraise for about $425, you can offer $435,000 with a $10,000 appraisal gap coverage. Now, this means you're willing to pay $435. And if it appraises for that, cool. You don't have to bring in the cash. You just get the whole loan for $435,000. But you're also telling the seller with that appraisal gap clause in your original contract that you are willing to pay $435,000. And you're willing to throw in $10,000 to cover whatever gap is created by the appraisal to get up to that $435,000 price. So that means if the home appraised at four thirty. dollars then the seller's still going to get the full $435,000 price that you guaranteed to them because you told them you're going to go up to 10K and that's only $5,000 you need to throw in. 
not the home appraises for 425, they still get their full 435,000 because you're going to put that full $10,000 appraisal gap coverage in. And I know what you're thinking. What if it appraises lower than the 425? Well, if it appraises lower than 425, you take whatever the appraisal number is and you add $10,000 to it. And that's the price that you have agreed upon in your initial contract price. Now, I know this whole thing sounds a little convoluted and complicated, but uh, let's assume that in this situation, there are seven offers and they're all hovering around 425-ish. But all of those have kept the regular appraisal clause in place. Well, what are you going to do to separate yourself? Because if you go up to 435 without changing the clause, then, you know, maybe the seller's thinking, well, everybody's in here, but no one's waiving the appraisal. So I think it's only going to go to 425. So these are all kind of the same. Well, if you offer the seller that appraisal gap coverage of $10,000, that guarantees you more than the others, whether it appraises or not. Now, if we all think the home is going to be appraised for that last value of $425,000, in effect, your $435,000 could be more than any of those other regular appraised contingent offers by $10,000. Even if the other people decide to counteroffer and go up to $435,000, you're guaranteeing they're going to get $435,000 where the seller and maybe the other buyers, it might be a bit of a gamble depending on where it appraises. Okay, who's confused? <laughs> Go ahead, hit rewind right now and listen again. Okay, got it? Good? Okay, you're back. Second time? Still confused? Cool. Look, no one said bidding wars were easy. So talk to your unicorn team before you set one foot inside a home and make sure that you understand all of these tips tricks and hacks backwards and forwards. The more options that you know inside and out before you ever go to look at a home, then the better prepared you're going to be when the seller turns around and gives you a three-hour deadline with 15 other offers and suddenly you got to get a counter offer back. And maybe it's the first time you ever heard the word appraisal gap. It comes and ah! Yeah. Remember, the sellers can do whatever they want. They're selling one home one time and they've got five, 10, 15, 20 offers coming at them they feel like I'm in charge. So the more you know, the better you'll be able to move and react at the pace of this crazy bidding war market. Another great loan trick hack is to have your lender show that they can do the job really quickly, and this is not going to be a problem, by reducing the time for the loan contingency period on your contract or get this gang, just remove it completely. Okay, quick little side note. You know, I was just talking to my lender this morning. Uh, you might have heard him on the podcast. His name's Dino. I've been working with him for over a decade now. And I'm getting so many people calling me and texting me and emailing me and telling me that they want to shop for a lender and a rate, just like they're shopping on Amazon. They scroll down to the bottom and they try to do a comparison shopping. Gang, it is totally not that way. And especially in a bidding war. First of all, if you're comparing rates, Rates change multiple times daily, one, two, sometimes up to three and four times a day. So if you're calling three or four different lenders and getting different rates, yeah, you will. And then most importantly, this removing the loan contingency was something that my lender came up with post-pandemic when things started to get crazy. 
We were trying to figure out a way that we wouldn't lose homes. The average first-time home buyer was putting offers on four, five, six, seven, seven homes before they got an offer accepted. Once we did this and we removed the loan contingency, we ended up getting a 70% first offer accepted rate. 70%, unheard of in the crazy 21 and 22 market. And the reason that worked is because the lender was working with the first time buyer and with me, the realtor, together with everyone's best interest at heart. You can go out and you can shop rates all day long and the internet's going to tell you, don't do it. You got to do it. Don't be a dummy. But gang, you need service more than ever in a bidding war. Forget trying to get Now, I'm not saying you have to overpay to get someone who's going to give you good service. They're still going to be pretty close. But all these tips and tricks, if you're trying to explain to your lender how to do this tip or this trick and they've never done it before, chances are they're not going to be very good at presenting the offer that way. So the way this works is in California, for instance, the usual due diligence contingency inspection period, it's 17 days. And it's pretty much the same all over North America. But in a competitive market, one of the things I'm doing is I'm taking all of the time frames and I'm reducing them to 10, maybe even eight or maybe even seven days. By shortening the days like that, we show them that we have the skills with our team to be able to do everything in a quick manner. And what about the loan? Well, remember how I told you that 80% of all the deals blow up because of the buyer's loan? Well, you can make the seller feel much, much more confident. And the listing agent, by not only giving them a short contingency period, just remove the contingency period with the offer. That says this deal is not contingent on the loan. Now, if your unicorn realtor knows what they're doing, and the unicorns do, They can still leave a protection in the contract for you for seven to 10 days with all the other contingencies. I am shocked that my personal lender seems to be one of the only people that I know across the country that's doing this. Why not? I mean, of course they're able to remove the loan contingency. They've done all the work before you, before you went out and went home shopping. They should be able to tell you before you write an offer if you had the ability and the means to pull off said offer based on your finances. Yes, I said, said, deal with it. This is a really great thing to do, gang, because it works for the people who are very professional and the people who don't really understand anything because there are agents and sellers who don't really get it. And it's going to look like an anomaly, like a unicorn (laughs) when they see that that's removed. It shows them you're legit, your lender's legit, and your whole team is legit. Removing the loan contingency is the last thing that you and your team are worried about. And if you want to offer even more legitness with your offer, you make sure that you show them your verification of funds. I'm talking everything, all the bank statements. You're going to send that in with the offer to show them not only do you have the money for the down payment and the closing costs, but if you do happen to have any extra cash, Show them all that extra cash too. I'm shocked at how many people don't show the people cash because they think, oh, if they see that, they're going to screw me. Actually, no, if you don't show it to them, they just might not accept your offer. See, by showing the seller you have extra money, the seller realizes that maybe you're not going to nickel and dime them for repairs, credits, termite money, or any of the other things that come up during the inspection period. 
So yeah, I understand the people who say, I don't want to show them all my cards. Cool. Good luck offering on six, seven, eight, nine, ten homes. You want to show them everything and show them through the terms and those short terms or completely removed contingency like the lender removal that you're good to go. And the bonus extra tip is to have your lender call right after the offer is sent over and tell the listing agent, hey, these eight, these buyers are awesome. They're great. Here's their whole story. Mine not only calls and texts, but Dino actually, he'll send them a video instantly by email as soon as that offer goes over. And in the video, he's sitting there talking about what badass buyers they are, how financially sound they are, and how great they're going to be at this home. Whether you're really telling the listing agent and the seller is, don't worry. This deal's not going to blow up in your face. And here's one more super bonus that you only get if you find a great lender who works with your realtor and has great service. You're not going to find this kind of stuff when you're working online, especially with giant corporate overlays, because this is about money. When things got really crazy during the pandemic, we started writing the offer that if the deal did not close on the contracted date because of any issues with the loan, the lender would pay $250 a day to the seller for every single day that they were late beyond the contracted and agreed closing date. You want to talk about making sure that everybody feels confident and comfortable. That's a great way to do it. Oh, and one more thing. If you're new to the show regarding that closing date, it's fluid. Don't count on the closing date to be exact. Sorry, I can't say the word closing date without throwing that in there. Okay, let's get back to more things that you can do to make your offer look better in a bidding war. Offer profit elsewhere, not just the price. Price in terms, price in terms, price in terms. That's the real estate term that you need to know. <laughs> term is part of the term that you need to know, price and terms. It's not just price. This is not Amazon shopping down at the bottom. You don't just compare. Same thing when you're shopping for a lender, all right? The buyer is not just taking all 20 offers and opening them up and just, there's like 20, 30, 40 pages with some of these contracts. They're not just looking at one light item. All right. As a buyer, you have lots of little things and some pretty darn big things that you can do that'll sweeten the deal for the seller and give them more profit without changing your purchase price. If you and another buyer offer the exact same purchase price, but you have waived many of the traditional or maybe even some of the non-traditional seller closing costs and you take them on yourself or you just waive them completely, well, then their net profit goes up. Remember, a seller is not getting that full price. They have tons of fees that come out of there, including paying your real estate agent. And in the contract, there are lots of places where the buyer is supposed to pay for stuff. And if you want to offer it to them, suddenly their net goes up. It could be a $500 home warranty that you offer to pay for instead of asking the seller to pay for it. It could be taking care of the termite, even if it turns into a $1,500 or two or $3,000 fumigation. Or maybe you pay for the other things on the contract that are usually paid for by the seller in your part of the country. That's different everywhere, but some places have local transfer fees or taxes. Lots of times the HOAs are going to have document fees. It's ridiculous, but they do. And most of the time the seller is going to pay for it. But if you want to take it on yourself, you can up their net. And then there's other things that don't even have necessarily a dollar amount on them. You can tell them, hey, 
We don't want the fridge in the garage or even the fridge in the kitchen. Take them all. You can take the washer and the dryer, or you can take the patio furniture or all the potted plants or anything else that you think maybe they think was kind of part of the deal. Offer it over to them. And then the big way to offer profit elsewhere. If the seller is selling their home and they need to buy another home, well, then they haven't picked out the other home yet. And if they have, they haven't closed the deal on that, which means they have a chance of being homeless once you buy their home. So what are you going to do? Give them a place to live. You can offer something we call a rent back or a lease back. That's where you close on the home and you let them stay in the home for two weeks, 30 days, or maybe even more, depending on what kind of contract you can do with your lender and with the area of the country that you're working in. Now, how does that help them? Well, what if you decide to give them a rent back for free? What if you let them stay there as your tenant for 30 days and they don't have to pay you at all? It's not a rent back. It's a nothing back. Well, now the price that you offered them hasn't gone up, but the profits to the seller have if they don't have to write a two, three, four thousand $4,000 check for that one month when they're panicking and they're out there trying to close on another home. Talk about reducing someone's stress. And in some cases, there's another way that you can increase their profitability. Oh, that was a tough word to say. Profitability. If you have the cash, there's a beautiful little trick to pay the seller extra without having to change your purchase price. And the cool thing is, if you do this, you actually keep the purchase price low so you don't have to be freaked out about the appraisal if that's part of the other parts of your deal. Now, in the example I gave before, where a $400,000 homes looks like it could appraise for four twenty-five, dollars but you never know for appraisals, all right? So you could offer four twenty-five dollars and keep that appraisal contingency as part of the deal. And then what you do is you offer to cover $10,000 of their closing costs. That means the home only has to appraise at four twenty-five, dollars so you're protected and you keep the contingency as part of the deal. But the seller is going to look at your offer compared to everyone else as an extra $10,000 because that was going to come out of their net profit, but you're going to use it to pay for their closing costs, which were going to be part of the deal anyway. And there's a very important part with real estate that I, I make sure I try to tell everybody anytime they're asking me questions about it. When you're trying to figure out what non-price related things you can do to make your offer stand out with sweet 80s neon lights on it, remember this, getting your offer accepted, it pretty much always boils down to two things. Real estate's two things, time and money. So when you're in a sick seller's market like we're in right now, and you know you're going to be in bidding wars, make sure you're ready to max out both of those things, time and money. Look, money's money, and we've gone over ways that you can make that part of your offer work for you. But being as flexible as you can on time could make your offer the easiest one to work with. And all things being equal, if you're easier, you're better. So finding out what time frame works for the seller, yes, very important. And the more flexible you can be on your position, do they want to close super quick or do they want to close in a long time? Well, either way, if you're set up, well, then the better chance that you're going to be the easiest offer for them to work with. Before you ever write an offer, find out, can your lender move faster than 30 days if that's what the seller wants? Can you move faster than 30 days from wherever you are if that's what the seller wants? 
What about the scenario where the seller is trying to buy that other home at the same time they're trying to sell this home and they need some extra time, like the rent back that we talked about? How flexible can you be with that? Can you be a week, two weeks, a month, maybe more? If money is equal, time can be your biggest differentiator. Now, the next tip that we get into, this can be a game changer if this is legal and working in your area. Multiple offers change from different states and different provinces. And this is a concept you can throw out there if you've got a seller who really is just trying to play the bidding war game and wants to feel like they win. It's called an escalation clause. Sometimes in a counteroffer with multiple offers, you can use an escalation clause to help separate you from the pack by offering a number and then having an escalation clause above it, above everybody else. So if the seller's counting all the buyers without a price, which gang happens quite a lot, the counter's going to say something like, well, maybe it'll have some terms on it or maybe it won't have any. Maybe it'll just have this sentence. See it all the time. Multiple offers bring your highest and best price and terms. All right, well, you can respond with a number for your price or knowing that multiple people are going to be bringing offers in, you can respond with a number and an escalation. Like we're offering 425000 or $200,000 over the highest offer that you receive back up to a maximum of $450,000. Do you understand that? Okay, great. If you understand that, then I'm going to say something else that's going to make you not understand it. <laughs> Get ready to rewind, gang. Okay, let me really confuse you here. Now, in the offer I gave you, you'd offer four twenty five dollars with 2000 over the next highest bid up to a maximum of $450,000. Now, let's use some of the tricks I talked about earlier and change that a little bit. That's a good escalation clause like that. How about a great one? Offer, if you were going to offer four hundred twenty five. Offer 427000 with 2000 over the highest other bids up to a maximum of $452,000. I know that sounds crazy, but remember everything I said with that odd number, if everyone's first increase is just to go up to 425 and then you're 427 without having to use the clause, great, then you're still going to end up being top there. But if people go up and over, you need to be able to max out. And what if somebody maxes out to 450? That's why you max out at 452. It's all these little things that are part of the game that's going to help you win. And if it sounds complicated, it is. So stop trying to learn how to do the heart surgery. Stop trying to learn how to repair your carburetor from scratch. Go out and hire the best heart surgeon and mechanic and have these people do all these tips and tricks it's just good for you to know about them, but you don't need to learn this all on your own. Just go hire the best, which is a wonderful segue. I like saying it that way because that's the way it looks like. Segue. It's a great segue into our next tip, which is understanding the process. You got to be familiar with the contract, the earnest money deposit, your deposit protection, your loan approval, your inspections, your timelines, your HOAs, your counter offers, and multiple counter offers, appraisal gaps, escalation clauses, all kinds of other stuff. But you just need to be familiar with it. You don't need to know how to do it five times a day like I do. So keep listening, get educated. 
And if you really are into this right now, go back to episode 46 and 84. A lot of this stuff is in there going into deeper detail. It's a great refresher. But I do want to make sure that everybody out there understands, please, please, please spend 10 times more time and effort researching who's giving you the information and who's going to support you and who's going to use all these tips and tricks. If you try to go out and hire the cheapest and the, and the simplest or your cousin because they really need some help with their real estate business or their lending business, they're probably not going to be as well-versed and know how to do this. Spend more time researching the people and the support team that's going to work with you than you do trying to figure out how to do their job for them. I've got a few more tips for you right now, including some super bummer news for those of you who think, screw this, I'm going to avoid bidding wars and just buy a new home. <clears throat> Wrong answer. So I could go into detail with you with the, the whole reality and the practicality of the builders and their business model and uh, you know what they're trying to do to create their profit margins. Um, but I think I sum it up better with this. This is very high, high level real estate term. Uh, new builders suck. Now, the homes don't suck, but new builders and the way that they treat people is awful. Both the clients and the realtors, they are in it for profit and they will screw you, me, everybody, and especially a first time home buyer, 67 ways from Tuesday. So when you're out there, if there are bidding wars in the neighborhoods next to the homes that are being built, they're going to capitalize on that too. And they're going to have a lottery. Yeah, we're talking Saturday lines out the door with wristbands and everybody trying to get in and finding out that your wristband is number 48 to 79 people in line. And they've only got 12 lots that they're selling that day. And then the kicker on top of that, if you go there on your own, without a realtor to protect you and to advocate for you. There's a little welcome sheet that you have to sign in. And of course you're going to sign in because you want to get your wristband, right? Well, at the bottom of that sheet, most of them have fine print that says that you just signed away your right to have a realtor, an agent, or any outside representation if you're one of the lucky people that gets picked because builders suck and they want you to use their crappy agents and their crappy loan people so they can figure out a way to manipulate and make more money. They're trying to make money on every single home that they sell. Now, I told you, you know, you got crazy people selling homes, one person selling one home one time. Well, a builder is selling a hundred homes, but trying to sell them once and then literally pack up the trailer and bail and you'll never see them again. I'm not kidding. When a track is done, boom. They are gone. So yeah, uh, I wish that buying from a new builder was a way to avoid bidding wars. But if there are bidding wars in resale homes, there are bidding wars in builder homes. And what they love to do is have you sign a contract for six or eight months and then change the price if the neighborhood goes up. Sucks. Okay, we're rocking and rolling on part three. Let me give some mini tips when you go look at homes for sale. Uh, be careful when you're walking around the house. Don't try to talk smack at the open house or definitely don't do any negotiating or any haggling. And here's something. Be very careful even talking smack about a home if it's a vacant home. Because guess what? Nanny cams are everywhere. 
Here's another thing that's probably going to bum you out and why it's so important to make sure that you hire a lender with a full service as opposed to just shopping prices like Amazon. Uh, you can't get in on your charm and good looks anymore. They used to let people send these cute little letters called the buyer letters or the, the buyer love letters or the home love letters. I just do air quotes like 15 times for all of that. Here's the deal. Because of discrimination, uh, those are becoming illegal. It's in a few different federal courts and state courts all over the country, but a lot of places, including here in California, I don't even accept buyer letters anymore. It's If it's not illegal now, it's definitely going to be illegal, illegal very, very soon. It's Dunsky. Old news. No buyer letters. You can't charm your way in. And if that's the case, then your best presentation is in your offer, in your numbers, and in the team that presents it for you. Now, if you do happen to be in an area where there is an open house, maybe, you know, you might not be actually talking to the person who's selling the open house. Believe it or not, that agent might actually be just another agent holding it open for them. But there is a good chance that could be the agent that does represent the house. And if that's true, no, you can't give them a letter, but you can be friendly and warm. Don't be weird. Don't be smothering. All right. But you can be friendly and warm and nice in the open house when you're talking to the realtor who is there probably talking to thousands of people. So make sure that you're just being nice and friendly and, you know, say your name a couple times. It could come in handy a little bit later. So the fact that I've had to go through three full episodes on all the tips and tricks that you're going to have to do to buy a home. God, it's got to be crazy disappointing for you, right? Maybe discouraging. You know, I just think about like someone who has been planning their wedding or, you know, their some other big party or some event in their life for their whole life and day of it rains or there's a monsoon or tornado or, or I don't know, maybe a pandemic. And you guys ever run into that? Look, I'm not here to burst your bubble, and I'm definitely not here to tell you that, you know what, this is a bad time. You should wait it out. No, 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 no. Do not wait it out just because it's hard or it's a bad time. I'm not saying it's the right time for everyone, but I can definitely tell you a lot of people decide it's not the right time just because it's hard. This is when the universe said that this is the time in your life you should be thinking about buying a home. This is your season. And anything good in life is worth fighting for. And it usually has some challenges. And waiting for the challenges to go away just means there's going to be different challenges later on. I'm not here to discourage you. I'm here to deliver the truth, drop some truth bombs on you guys like I talk about all the time. But I just really want to show you guys how to beat the system. For many of you guys out there, if you're renting the average rent in an area and it's starting to get expensive, you can probably afford with the right down payment, the average home. Therefore, for many of you, it is the right time to buy. Not for everybody. But if it is, I want you to show you how to beat the system and get in and maybe watch the prices go up afterwards because this is rigged against you. And now, yeah, it sucks, but you have to compete. But if you wait because you don't want to compete, why do you think prices are going to go down? That just means out of 20 people, 19 people didn't get the home with 20 offers. Well, maybe 10, 15 of them are going to keep going at it and they're going to keep offering. And then due to the basics of supply and demand in six months or a year, if the competition's gone, great. But I'm pretty darn sure that the low inventory and the 15 other people who bought other homes 
means that the prices are going to go up. So now maybe you have no competition, but you're priced out. I've been doing this a long time. And I see people who want it to be perfect. And they want their, they, they've decided that they're going to get a deal and they know how to get a deal. And so they're just going to wait for the right timing. Like they're sitting there in some sci-fi movie, you know, where all the fans and the, in the air duct are going, and they're trying to time it. And so they'll say things to me like, I'm not buying now. It's too crazy competitive. Guess what? Those exact same people come back to me in six months and go, huh. Well, sure, it's not competitive now, but these prices are too high. It's ridiculous. I'm not buying now. That'd be stupid. I'm going to wait for this to crash. This isn't going to last. Then two years later, they call me back and they go, oh, it didn't crash. So now I'm priced out. Yeah, it happens. (laughs) The people who don't want to fight end up just looking for excuses rather than trying to figure out you got to get in and make it happen. I even saw this one buyer. I I saw this old email that I remember way back from 2011. Okay, now in 2011, for those of you who don't know, February 2012 was the bottom of the market and it shot up after that. This person said to me back then, well, it's been going down for three years and I'm not going to buy now because it's going to keep going down and I don't want to buy and have it go down. But when it started going up in 2012 and 2013 and they waited, they said, well, it's 2013 now. It's just too competitive. I don't want to get in a bidding war. Holy moly. So the cycle continues. But look, if you're here and you're still listening to me to the third part of this that I'm preaching to the choir, you've made your choice and it's the smart one. So let me truth bomb on you for when you get frustrated. Life's not fair, but challenges make you smarter and you get more rewards. I've said this before. Somewhere out there, there's a buyer who turned 26 in 2010, but was too scared to buy because the crash just happened a couple of years ago. So they rented for a few years and then they kept renting and they kept renting. Oh boy, it's a lot of rent money and they missed out on major appreciation. And somewhere else out there, there's someone who turned, turned 30 in 2021. All right. And they were ready to go, but they didn't want to buy because it was too competitive. Well, that 26-year-old from 2010 had made the difficult but still smart choice. Their home today would be like almost halfway paid off and they would probably have a gajillion dollars in equity right now (laughs) at 39 years old, which means they would have massive options for the rest of their life. And the 30-year-olds from 2021, they'd be sitting on 20 or 30% equity. Not a gajillion, but not bad for just a couple of years. And they could sell that home to you today with 10 or 20 of you bidding on their home they just bought and are turning around at a 20, 30% equity. And they just bought it recently. Life is challenging. Pain is unavoidable, but being miserable, that's optional. So run your numbers, believe in what you're doing. And if you want to get mad, get mad at your parents for not procreating with you earlier. Sorry, they should have had you like eight years earlier. So you bought in the 2013, 14, 15, but they didn't. So this is what you got. And this is the time. And if you're ready to do this, if your season is right for this, listen up to all these episodes, learn, take advantage. And if you don't buy a home this year, and you 
don't have to use all these tips for bidding wars. You're going to benefit so much from this. You're going to be a battle-tested warrior who never actually went to battle. Kind of like someone who's just like, you're like a VR battle warrior. You just played the video game version. And in the future, you're either going to be ready for battle if we still have them in 2024, or you're going to be so pleased at how easy it is that you don't have to decipher all the crazy bidding war stuff for the first time because you've already been through this with your VR headset. So gang, either way, if you're ready today or you're just preparing for your fight somewhere in the future, I think that you're going to crush the competition with all of this wisdom and savvy, especially if you've got a really strong support team who's done this as well. There are four P's for the 2023 first time home buying. And it goes like this. Patience, persistence, perseverance, and positive attitude. Now, those of you listening to me on two times speed, that probably sounded normal. So for you, I'm going to do it this way. Patience, persistence, perseverance, positive attitude. <laughs> oh, I love you guys who listen to me like a chipmunk. I think that's super fun. You deserve the best. You can have it. Without a unicorn support team, I really think in this uh, particular market right now, especially if your lender's not totally on board, man, you are going to be lambs to the slaughter. But if you have the great lender and you have a really solid unicorn who has referred you and recommended you to that lender so you have a team, you are armed with information and battle tested and those warriors have been through it more times than you have for sure. And they're going to be able to make sure that you get the best deal guiding you through this. You can do this. 